0: Des Moines.com
1: from the Rose barbecue studios where every tuesday by 10 wings get 10 wings free this is des moines sports station 106.3 kxno for 75 years ncmic has been doing the right thing for its customers employees and the community now here's miller and Condit. Welcome back. Our number two Miller and Condon radio program here as we continue on. Matt Norlander coming up, CBS CBSSports.com. Look forward to catching up with him at the bottom of the hour. But uh, time to reconnect with an old friend of the program, uh, Michael Swain, covered Iowa State now on the Kansas Jayhawk beat uh, as he gets set uh, to meet the team down in New Orleans. It's a Final Four. It is a who's who of college basketball, no doubt about that. And Michael joins us from sports. Michael, uh, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thank you uh, for doing this. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Excited for uh, another week of basketball. Feels weird that we're kind of stretching into. Covering some hoops, but definitely excited to get down in New Orleans here this week.
1: No doubt about it. Well, it was really the tale of two halves when you go back to the Miami game. Uh, Miami took a six-point lead in the locker room. It lasted what about two minutes of the uh, second half before. I mean, is that? Uh, let me put it this way, Michael. Is that the best twenty minutes of basketball you've seen out of this Jayhawks team as they outscored the Hurricanes forty-seven to fifteen in the final twenty-seven or twenty minutes?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I think the, maybe the closest thing that could rival it was Big 12 tournament title game in Kansas City. where They put together a really good game against Texas Tech, but, I mean, just the way that the avalanche came, I think you look at that kind of Christian Brown three where he turned down so many threes in the first half and then second half takes it, makes it. And then all of a sudden, he's able to get in transition and really just dominate on both sides. I think, you know, someone like Dewan Harris did a really good job on Legusky. Miami really did a good job of just knocking down shots in the first half. And I think that KU played tight in the first half and Bill still talked about it post game, but he didn't come in and rip people at halftime. It was very much a calm, cool, collected kind of halftime talk. Everyone came out and um, they were able to, to loosen up. And I think that really showed in their level of play. And it's the reason why they're still able to, uh, to keep playing.
0: Take us back to this team and and what they were throughout the course of the season. It was never considered the best team in the country. Got off to the start against Michigan State. We didn't know what Sparty had at that time. But over the course of the season, everyone knew they were good. But it felt like the national conversation was, they're good, they're solid, but this is not a great Kansas team. What has it been following this team game in and game out as you watch the Jayhawks and as they progress throughout this year?
2: Yeah, I think the team's really never been whole and clicking on all cylinders together because I think early in the season, you know, KU had that loss to Dayton. Um, and you look at Remy Martin, for example, and he's been really the catalyst of this mm-hmm. this kind of late-season surge. And early on in the season, he was kind of feeling things out, right? You know, he gets here over the summer, and you really don't know what it's like to be coached by Bill Self, and Bill Self doesn't know what it's like to coach Remy Martin in a game, uh, vice versa. So I think it was a feeling-out process. And then the injury happens. You know, December 29th, he suffers the bone bruise, and that really kind of derails his season, at least for Big 12 play. So then you're looking at a, a team that is having kind of a mix and match where you're playing basically three wings, a point guard, and a big. And they were able to share the Big 12, which I think is kind of impressive, the fact that they did without Ray Martin. And then kind of late in the season, they lost those two games against Baylor and TCU while they're trying to reintegrate Ray Martin. And the energy wasn't there. They played tight. And then now in March, it's really all kind of come together for them. And I think when you look at the start of the season and in the preseason ranking and the preseason expectations, I think this is the team that you kind of expected KU to be, right? Where they're good in transition. Right? I Mary mean, Martin's really good in the half court. Um, Dave McCormick can really clean up the offensive glass for you. And Ocha is, you is know, one of the best players in the country. So I think in general, it took a lot longer than I think people at KU would have wanted or uh, people around the program probably would have expected. But I think in the end, this is where Kansas should be, considering the talent and considering um, the coaching job that Bill Self has done this season.
1: You mentioned Obaji until that final, really 20, uh, 20 minutes, like the entire team, um, certainly in the first half of that game. He was, uh, it was, wasn't going his way. It was, uh, but the criticism of him during this tournament that uh, that he's not taking over, that he's not you know, doing um, what, he, what most people expected him to do. Do you think he builds on that final 20 minutes because they're going to need him against Villanova and then going forward, whoever they get, Duke, North Carolina on Monday night, Obagi has to be the best player on the floor. Um, is he back to being that, do you think?
2: I think so. I think a part of it too is you look at Ochai and his mindset is not that of someone like Russell Westbrook where he's going to get his shots and it doesn't matter what's happening in the game. He's going to get his shots and he's going to try and control the game. I think Ochai, um, off the court is such a, a team first person that he's not going to go out there and say, I need to get my shots. I need to, this shot needs to go in for me. Let me force it. He's very much a, all right, if I can take this open shot, I will take it. If not, I will pass it off. And he's not going to go try and, um, when things are going for him, he's not going to go and try and force it where it could maybe hurt the team. He's very much a team-first guy. So I think what you saw in the second half was kind of him getting to a rhythm, and I think that happened because K. got out in transition, saw a ball go through the hoop a few times, and he made his two three-pointers. I think the three-point shooting has been a thing that has kind of fallen off here in March. I think he's shooting below 35% from three since March started. Um, So I think that's really the big thing for him because for most of the season he was in that, you know, 47, 48% from three and it's really, really fallen off the cliff in March. And so I think that in general confidence will help. And I think that for him, knowing that, hey, you can kind of play your game, but also go dominate, um, will definitely help as well.
0: You know that backcourt's very talented up front. We've seen the two-headed monster, if you will, McCormick and Lightfoot, really step forward. And for McCormick, he's such an enigma, because when he's right, Mm. he's as good as any big in the country, but he's not always right. He was benched right at the beginning of conference play. He's come back He right after that benching, had maybe his best game of the year coming off the bench in uh, the win against Oklahoma State. When When you look at McCormick, what is it about the guy? Why is it so difficult to get that I guess consistent effort and, and him playing at his highest level all the time?
2: Yeah, I think it's two things. I think the first thing is he has a foot injury that's been bugging him. Um, he I think broke his foot last year um, before that USC game had off season surgery. And then basically since about start of February, it's been bugging him. And so sometimes you'll see him run up the court and it looks like he's super hobbled. And that's why it's because his foot is really bugging him and he plays through pain a lot. But I also think a part of it is just mental. I think he's maybe a little bit like o too, where, really wants the team to do well, and sometimes I think he can overthink things, and you can see when something doesn't go right for him, that he can sometimes get hard on himself, and I think the big thing for him is can those first two shots go in, because I think when those first kind of couple shots go in, if he's a ball go through the hoop, the confidence is there, and that's when he can go out and assert himself, and that's when you see those kind of 15 and 15, 17 and 13 games that you saw against, you know, like Oklahoma State or West Virginia on the road where he looks like one of the best centers in in the conference, but when things aren't going right, it can kind of snowball with him and when he kind of, that's when he gets benched and that's when Mitch Lightfoot has to come in or when one of those true freshmen has to come in as well. So I think for him, it's kind of the mixture of um, the mentality and also just trying to deal with the, the, the foot that's clearly kind of been bugging him. Uh,
1: Michael Swain, 24 7 Sports Covers Kansas is our guest. We'll get to Villanova and what they bring to the floor in a second. Uh, ju- just back to Kansas, one more for me. Uh, they really struggled to make their free throws. I think they watch out 50%, <laughs> 13 to 26, uh, if memory serves. That's not an every game occurrence, right? They usually are better than that. It was this just, just, you know, draw a line through that game? Every team has a, a bad shooting performance from the free throw line that was theirs?
2: Yeah, I think, too, it, it, it plays into the tightness that they had in the first half. Uh-huh. Where I think a lot of those missed free throws came in the first half where that is the ultimate spot where you can tell if the team is tight. If they go up to the free-throw line and they are missing free-throws, because that is all mental. That is, you're standing there in front of whatever the 25,000 in United Center and all the pressure is on you. And so I think that's when that played in, into account. But then you look back, um, oh, man, what game was it? Maybe against Creighton, I think K made 95% of their free-throws, 19 to 20. So I think you looked at the free-throw shooting and some of the Bill Self says he's not going to coach free-throw shooting. He's going to mm-hmm. let the guys shoot after practice that they want. He's not going to talk to them about it. You're just going to let them shoot it. So I think that was more of an, an anomaly more than anything.
0: Let's get into the matchup. We'll see game one of the double dip for the final four on Saturday. Villanova. A new blue blood, if you will. Of course, history going back to 1985, but they have won two of the last five championships. This program is playing at a high level. Jay Wright now 20-3 and over the last five NCAA tournaments in NCAA tournament games. They're going to be without Justin Moore. That continues to be the headline, and I know it'll be a big conversation piece leading into the game. When you look at that and look at the team from that perspective, just how impactful will they be minus Moore?
2: Yeah, I think that's huge. I think from a KU perspective, I mean, that's basically like losing Christian Brown for a, for a game or, or for the rest of the season. I mean, that's a huge loss. I think he's like their second leading scorer by only yeah. like a few percentage points or something like that. So I think that's huge. But I think just Jay Wright as a coach. I think if you're listing off your top college basketball coaches, I, I personally would probably go Jay Wright one, Bill Self two, because yeah. I just think the consistency from Jay Wright has been incredible. The players continuously come in, come out, and they don't have, you know, a wealth of lottery picks. So I think it'll be a really good game. I think you look at one thing I'll watch for is kind of a shot fakes. Obviously Villanova, super well-disciplined team. KU bit on a ton of shot fakes against Miami and got Miami got to the foul line. They were able to get guys up in the air and get some guys in foul trouble too. So I think I kind of look at that almost dynamic of can KU be super disciplined against Villanova because Villanova is probably one of the most disciplined teams in the entire country. So I think it's a, a fascinating matchup. And I'm really interested to see kind of who for Villanova steps up with uh the second being scored
1: on. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it, uh, Michael. They don't have a lot of depth and, and Gillespie, mentioned <laughs> Obaji not having the best tournament. Gillespie's kind of in that, in that same boat with him and he needs to, I mean, he's going to be wearing a bullseye. There's no doubt about it to, when, when they play oh, yeah. on Saturday. A team that doesn't have a lot of depth. Kansas, on the other hand, does. This looks to me like even if this game is close, uh, in the second half, I look for Kansas to wear them down.
2: I do too. And I think for me, you mentioned Gillespie. Well, KU for a long time this season, the buck has been hey, do they have someone that can go and lock down the team's opposing best kind of guard or wing? And, you know, for most of the season, you know, guys like Nigel Pack in the Big 12 torched KU. But I think now late in the season, you've seen someone like Jawan Harris step up, and he was the guy that really slowed down McGuskey against Miami. So I think you'll see Harris get Gillespie, and I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup because I think if you slow down Gillespie, then all of a sudden, it's like, who in the world is going to step up for Villanova to get them to a 70-point a mark? Because I think that's where KU really lives, is getting to 70 points and getting more than that. So I think that's kind of where, for me, without their second-leading score, that's where kind of the game's going to be won or lost.
0: In some corners, there are people that still have the cloud hanging over Kansas, and that's at the forefront for them. The notice of allegations that have been out there for a couple of years, we'll see ultimately what the NCAA decides. Kansas, the way they doubled down and, and basically blamed everybody but themselves for that, it, it still hangs for a lot of people. What does that do to the program? And looking forward, whatever happens with this program, whatever happens as it pertains to the NCAA, how impactful is that inside the fan base? And just overall, this great tournament run
2: well I'll tell you this if they win the title nobody's gonna care <laughs> right. um, I, and, and that's the thing that kind of has been the talk is that if it, it does happen um, and it, it you know it's gonna happen this offseason is when the, the penalties are going to come down and because they're getting rid of the uh, IARP so uh, it's gonna happen this offseason I think the question is going to be what mood is the fan base in <laughs> are you coming off a title when it doesn't really matter that you're not you know maybe there's a a, a tournament ban or a postseason ban for two years I mean I don't know I'm just you know, speculating here, but maybe there's something like that. Well, you win the title. I mean, who cares? Yep. Um, and I think recruiting-wise, it's one of these things where right now, Bill Self has the best recruiting class in a long time. They've got three five stars. They've got another four-star big man coming in as well. I mean, three of those five stars are at the McDonald's All-American game today. So I, I think recruiting-wise, it hasn't it, for a while. There, it impacted Kansas, right? But then I think as this has drawn on, Kansas can say, "Hey, look, this thing has been playing out for so long." And look what we've done. Still with that, with this kind of playing over the head. So, even if there is a postseason ban, you can always say, "Hey, go win a ring You can win the Big 12 and end your season there and end the season as winners." So, um, it'll happen this off season. Be very fascinating to see what the exact kind of penalties are. But I think regardless, I think Kansas coming out of it, whether it be one, two years, um, it's one of those things where, whenever it ends, you can always say, "Hey." you can come back and get Kansas back on the map and get them back into the Final Four and National Championship contention. So I think that will help on the recruiting trail as well, even if for maybe one, two cycles, uh, it slows things down.
1: Michael Swain, 24-7 sports, off to New Orleans uh, to cover the Jayhawks. Uh, Michael, thank you. I hope you're there through uh, Monday. It's it's a wonderful city. Uh, That off day Sunday be a blast if indeed they do uh, get through Villanova and away to either uh, Duke or North Carolina. Michael Swain, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I was good talking
1: to you guys. Good to talk to you, Michael Swain. As we take a look at Kansas and Villanova, lack of uh, the, the, it's a depth issue to me. Trent is why mm-hmm. I like Kansas. Now, conversely, the other game—it's Tuesday. Um, you're, we both have the right to change our opinion. Yeah. Uh, by the time the what time will it tip? Just after eight, I'm assuming eight twenty somewhere in there. The Carolina Duke, Carolina Duke game. Duke game yeah. yeah, I think it's eight thirty ish, yeah. eight twenty. Um, regardless of when it tips, as we sit here today, what, what's What's your opinion? Do you take the point? Look, Duke got them in Chapel Hill, beat them by 20. Right. They went back to Durham, and it was totally opposite. Uh, North Carolina walloped them on Coach Case. So this is the, I guess, the rubber match, if you will, for this year. Uh, Both won on each other's floors. Baco playing so well. I mean, I kind of like the points. I what think you? I do,
0: too. I, and, in fact, I think I like the points in both these games. I think that's where I'm going to go, ultimately, when we get there. You think Nova keeps it close? Even I do. If, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, Samuels I, has been great. And I respect Jay Wright so much. Yeah. He gets the benefit of the doubt for me. Well, it's... Was it the wake-up call that Duke needed? Of course, it feels that way at this point, right? The, the mm-hmm. loss... But meant, then, what
1: happened with Virginia Tech when they got beat? Virginia
0: Tech just shot lights out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think more than anything, it, it was—I watched it. They it did. was one of those games where they were yep. just hitting everything. And yep. we know in basketball, those kind of games can happen. Mm-hmm. Because since then, Duke has been better defensively. Yeah, they've been able to get stops. They've been able to score late in games. Michigan State and Texas Tech at the forefront of that. So it kind of put it all together. Duke needed that loss to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Without that loss, I don't think Duke's in the Final Four. I think it was the wake-up call that they needed, and it was kind of the realization that we have to be playing at our best in order to get to our ultimate goal. They're a different and team. They absolutely are. Yep. Same thing for Carolina. Remember, going into that game, they were among the first four, in, last four in yeah. or, or first four out. They only had one I quad know. one win yep. going into that. They were a bubble team, mm-hmm. and they got maybe the best non-conference or conference win of the season. When you put all the circumstances around it, you're not going in there in Kay's last game and getting that game, and they did. No. And that one pushed them to what they were because who knows if they're, instead of an eight seed, they're a 10. You get the wrong draw. We, we've talked about this so much. Draw matters mm-hmm. so much, and it doesn't matter how well you're playing. Maybe another team's playing better at that point. So both these teams obviously needed that game for different circumstances here. But can you see Duke losing it? I mean, uh, can you really see Duke? I want to. Lo- losing in Cameron for the last game of K, and then his career also comes to an end. Against, yeah. North for the first Carolina. time ever against Carolina. It feels storybook. It feels like this is
1: going to be the culmination of K. He is going to coach on that last Monday. So he goes out winning two of three in his final year against his uh, arch rival. I, I Yeah, I mean... It does feel storybook. 749, by the way, is the estimated tip time
0: for well, Duke and North Carolina. I hope 509
1: for game one. 509 for game one. I hope they're right. We'll take a timeout. Matt Norlander coming up next. I uh, look forward to more college basketball conversation with uh, Matt Norlander. By the way, in case I forget later on, if you're a fan of David Kaplan and listening to Cappy when he joins us, he's now switched times. He's going to join us at 11.30 tomorrow. So if you've been used to Cappy at 11.05, uh, he will be with us Wednesdays at 11.30. Miller and Condon, more college basketball conversation coming up. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KX.
0: For all of your and your family's eye care needs, make it Elite Eye Care. Dr. Ethan Heisman, Dr. Macy Dealman, Dr. Heidi Bell, and Dr. Kelsey Sawatsky provide expert eye care close to home. From eye exams to contact lenses, eyeglasses to sunglasses, make Elite Eye Care your local optometrist. In introducing Vision Therapy. Vision Therapy is a doctor-supervised, non-surgical, and customized program designed to correct vision problems. Set up your next eye care appointment with Elite Eye Care. University Avenue on the Waukee-West Des Moines border. Or... The Eye Company in Ankeny, and online at iDoctor. Do you remember the last walk-off homer to win the World Series? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf One for podcasting global direct mail and marketing is a local design and print shop that'll help you from start to finish from design, to printing and mailing it for you from wedding invitations to birth announcements and it's time to be thinking about those graduation announcements no matter how big or small your project is Global will work with you from creating a custom design to getting your project inserted into the mail Global can design, print and deliver and Global can help your business grow with custom mailers designed to help you bring new customers through your doors located on 121st Street in Urbandale or call Craig at 515 282 2 3000 282-3000. It's Global Direct Mail and Market. com.
2: Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Nigget is here and ready to help your business.
1: Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business
2: to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your side.
0: Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive, while Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you and your baseball life.
1: For 11.30 on a Tuesday, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Thank you to Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. Got a good look at Kansas. They'll take on Villanova. Matt Norlander, as we keep the college basketball conversation flowing, Sports.com. Matt, thanks for doing this. Know you're a busy man at this time of year. Uh, we appreciate you giving Des Moines a, a few minutes. How are you, Matt Norlander?
3: Shout out to Des hey uh, Glad to be back. Doing all right.
1: <laughs> uh, good to talk to
3: you. CBS get you back Sports. here next
0: year for the big dance, maybe. How about that? Yes. Need to get you I to come to Des Moines. Happens.
1: There we go. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. Hey, Bob, let me, before we get into the tournament it's, uh, itself and what's what's left of it, what's your take on the, I guess ineptitude is a fair word, when describing the Big Ten in their last few years in the NCAA tournament? Again, no team makes the uh, Elite Eight. What's your take on the, the why the Big Ten has been struggling uh, in the big dance over the last few years, Matt?
3: Well... So a large part of me wants to say that the NCAA tournament is built to give you results that are, you know, 60 to 70% random. And the remaining percentage is based on, you know, individual team strength and matchups and that, you know, and the matchups themselves are random because no one knows what they'll be until the committee decides. And, you know, you have the bracketing procedures and all of that stuff. So that's part of it. But, you know you can also say listen the big 10 has been rating as a top 3 league year over year over year and we are not seeing that bear out in NCAA tournament play to a certain extent i mean they've had teams make the final four mm-hmm. i mean i was there a few years ago when michigan state made it obviously michigan made it wisconsin had its good run but now we're, we're you know we're going on 7 years since that happened um So I don't quite get it. I don't think there is something fundamental about the way that Big Ten players are recruited and developed and the coaching in the league and the styles. I don't. It feels like some big picture cycle that will eventually come back around. And certainly we can't just simply reference the fact that it hasn't won a title since 2000 because the Pac-12 has an even longer drought since 1997. Uh, So, you know. It's, it's not like the Big Ten is the only league that's been uh, afflicted with this on a power conference standpoint. But I do think that this is due to change eventually. I mean, I, it kind of has to. The reason why it was so surprising this year in particular was that this is, I think this is objective fact. The Big Ten had more star players than any other conference in the country by a comfortable margin. I mean, I'm not going to list them all. Your listeners already know who they are. And the fact that you didn't have one of these teams even crack through to the Elite Eight, is for, it, like it is genuinely surprising to me. I did not think that was a remotely in, in the realm of possibility at the start of this month that we would get to an Elite Eight and there wouldn't be at least one, mm. not one Big Ten team that was left standing, but in fact, that's exactly what happened.
0: Matt, big picture view of college basketball. We have heard for years that Uh, The sport is dying, that this is not what it once was. And though it is different, you look at this Final Four, it's great. You look at TV ratings, they are up. Now, we got pandemic, we've a bunch of other things that factor into this. But the overall health of the game, FBI scandals, Kansas will get their marching orders here after their run ends. When you look at the sport as a whole, where are we when you look at college basketball?
3: I think it's in a pretty good spot. You're, you're absolutely right about Kansas. I mean, I think, uh, I think something pretty substantial is, is coming in the not-too-distant future for them, so that's an interesting backdrop. And if anything, uh, the fact that we have Duke Carolina in the semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, if Kansas were to beat uh, Villanova on Saturday and then get a game in the title game, maybe we get a little more noise about that, just kind of like, oh, by the way, this is coming kind of deal, like Bill Self is almost certainly staring down a significant suspension. Um, but as for the overall health of the game, Uh, I think it's in a pretty good spot. Now, I say that while also acknowledging, like, right now, here in the now, this Final Four, like, I do think we'll look back in five to seven to ten years and be like, man, those were, you know, college basketball has had many great eras, but you can't tell me this isn't the glory days right now. You've got the final year of Krzyzewski, and there's going to be no one that actually replaces him in terms of stature in the game, like someone Mm -hmm. of his presence and achievement. um, he, He will leave a void. And so the fact that we have a Final Four with him coaching in it along with two other Hall of Famers and four programs that I consider on the Blue Blood level, uh, it's, it's pretty special. Every Final Four is, is special in its own way, but obviously this is the only one ever where all four teams have multiple national championships. That's never happened before. And the fact that it's not even multiple, like, oh, it's two. No, everyone has at least three that's participating in this. So I think men's college basketball is in pretty good shape overall. Like, it's not a perfect game. There are things that can be approved, improved upon. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, like, you know, I've always pushed back on this idea that it's been a sport that's been pushed to the fringes or anything like that. I think that, is, that conversation is so um, diluted because basically it's framed up against, like, the NFL. Well, the NFL, you know, makes everything else look small. You know, that, that's just a different deal altogether there. But there are still literally, literally tens of millions of people who are emotionally, and now because of legalized sports gambling, uh, many millions who are financially invested in college basketball, so I think the game is doing just fine.
1: I am with you. Let's ta- take these games in order. Obviously, the Moore injury for Villanova leaves this uh, roster with it, with a big, big void, a team that uh, doesn't appear to be very deep uh, to begin with. Kansas, they played their best 20 minutes in a long time uh, in the uh, final 20 minutes of that game against Miami, overcame a deficit instantly, and then took the lead and just drew away. So that first game, it does the uh, lack of depth for Villanova, catch up with them in you know the final five, ten minutes of that basketball game. How do you see it?
3: I mean, maybe, but if you look at all the four of these teams, Kansas is actually the deepest, but they're not even like that deep. They they go with maybe eight guys, maybe. But Villanova, Carolina, Duke, they're not deep teams. UNC has a five, and Duke basically runs with six, maybe seven, if she includes Theo John. So the fact that Villanova suddenly has the least amount of depth, I don't think is that huge of an issue. I also believe as I said on the ION College Basketball Podcast, that Villanova is the one team of the four that are there that is most well-equipped to overcome uh, a significant season-ending injury to one of its best players, and it's going to have to do that. If you think Villanova doesn't have a chance, you just haven't been paying attention to this program for like 10 years, (laughs) let alone this season, Justin Moore is significant. Villanova could lose because he's not there but it's not guaranteed to lose because he's not there. Keep an eye on the likes of Caleb Daniels, who was their sixth man. He's now going to start. Uh, Really important, aggressive, hybrid guard forward, really good rebounder. Brandon Slater is actually the guy that I think will need to have a huge national semifinal. He's only had like five points in the tournament, but he's talented. He's healthy. He's got length. He's a really good foul shooter. And it can't just be Colin Gillespie willing this team you know, across the finish line, it's going to have to be more than Gillespie. Even though Gillespie's the best and certainly headiest point guard of the four that are uh, that are going to be playing in the national semifinals, I give Kansas the edge. You know, I'm, I've reached the stage here where uh, CBS wants me to start picking the games, hmm. and I'm I'm getting. I like I I truly haven't decided on uh, on this game. I you know I, I will give Kansas the edge now, but I might by the time we get to to Friday or whatever, I might talk myself into Villanova because. They're capable of doing it, and Kansas showed, like, yeah, it came back and it really boomeranged on Miami in that second half, but they didn't play well in the first half, and O'Chai Baji's due to have a big game. We'll he see is. if that happens there. But uh, I, I expect, I expect Villanova-Kansas to be close and more likely to be close than Duke versus Carolina.
0: Jay Wright, if he wins this thing, and it'll be his third title in the last six tournaments, it'll be taking Villanova to heights. Yeah, they won it in 85, but this is not a program that's certainly had been at this level. He's 60 years old. Does he take a look at the NBA? I know there's been flirtations in the past. or Is he a lifer? Is he at a Villanova until whenever he decides to hang it up?
3: Never saying never. But if Jay Wright were to, first of all, I mean, just if Jay Wright were to win a national title in six days, like, I, I believe Villanova is a blue blood. There are people mm-hmm. that push back on that idea. Uh, we don't need to get totally down that, yeah. but like if it were to happen again, like the conversation is over okay yeah. it's over if they win another one there. Um, I think it's it's pretty decided now, although you can go either way if they were to win it though um, I, you know it's not impossible, but I don't think so i put I put Jay Wright you know being a college only coach at Villanova uh, for his you know the remainder of his career at like ninety five percent but if it was going to happen you know, the window would have to be basically like this year or next. Uh, But he's had opportunities, and he has passed on them. So I'm not seeing that come to pass. And I think, you know, Jay Wright is one of the coaches that would be in line to be one of the faces, the prominent faces of college basketball once Kay leaves. It's not a role that he outright embraces, although I think he's better at it than he even gives himself credit for. I've talked to Jay about this very thing before. But, man, oh, man, you want to talk about – Like, he is already regarded as a top-five coach in the game, but if he were to win a third in six years and just get to three, period, you know, it just elevates you to such a high level. Like, you're basically an immortal in college basketball if you do that. Jay Wright right now is a Hall of Fame coach, extremely good, clearly regarded as, like, one of the 20 best of all time. You get a third national championship, and let's say it was he was to do it and beat K in his final year. That's just that's that's hoops immortality right there.
1: <laughs> Indeed it does. All right, so you kind of tipped your hand a little bit. You think that this is the first game's going to be close? Duke North Carolina, uh, the nightcap. We've seen these two teams split this year. Both of the both of the games were one-sided. Griffin, when he's really good in Chapel Hill, didn't show up uh, in Durham. Uh, was North Carolina picked him off in Shashovsky's final game? So help us out with Duke with uh, Duke and UNC. The Duke Duke he's just a team of destiny in your mind?
3: I don't know if they're a team of destiny. Um, and I think that there are so many different possible outcomes on the table for this game because it's Duke, North Carolina, because it's a huge stage. We're only talking on Tuesday. By the time we get to Saturday, these players, the coaches, like everyone, I mean, this is the biggest Final Four game. And when? Like, <laughs> UNLV you know, Duke? Like, yeah, or like Duke, Maryland, maybe? Like, you Feels know, back in the early. 40 years ago, maybe like it's it's pretty significant. I, it might, it probably is the biggest in Duke UNLV. That's because that one was UNLV was undefeated. Mm-hmm. Duke the year before. That's probably the answer. It just in terms of build up, hype, matchup, the whole deal. Um, so I bring all that up to say because of everything that will surround it, I do think there's a chance that the game can kind of go any any which way. But I also think. That Duke is going to, both teams will have benefited from going, having gone through the Duke versus Carolina deal at the close K at home. They're both going to benefit from that. But going into that game, North Carolina's coverage was 5% compared to what the attention Duke got. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was the only time that, and I wrote something to this effect at cbssports.com. It was the only time, like, in the history of this rivalry, or at least the modern history of it, where one of the teams playing in the game was regarded as an afterthought. And so I think because of that, it worked against Duke in that game. It really served Carolina well. And now the media coverage is going to be even bigger for Duke on a Final Four stage in the final K-Home game. But that K-Home game was basically at Final Four level. So, I do think it was a really good way of prep. And yes, my pick, and I will not change this, although I'm hmm. all too willing to be wrong. I will take Duke to win the game. But I do think that a variety of outcomes are on the table here. And uh, it could be Carolina by 14. It could be Duke by 24. It could be three point swing, either way, close down the stretch. Well, you know, I think all options are on the table. And I think it's an amazing thing that college basketball was given this storyline. This year in this final four, as we've returned to normal with fans in the stands and all that good stuff. If this was a year ago, it would have been cool, but you know, you can make the tournament. It wasn't Szechowski's last year, there wasn't, you know, it was in the bubble. You know, Duke Carolina would always be awesome, but I actually love the fact that uh, the universe has winked at us and given us this matchup for the first time in tournament history in this specific season.
0: And there were jokes that were out there when the bracket came out. Hey, they could play in the Final Four. That's not really going to happen, and yet here we are. Hey, last thing for me, Matt Norlander joining us from CBS. Of course, your bosses don't have this one. This will be a TBS Final Four, but what are they rooting for? What are the TV execs looking for? It's got to be K against Kansas right the the team he beat for yeah. his first championship and then culminating on Monday night
3: that's the rooting interest yeah I mean Duke period is always the rooting interest frankly because it's, <laughs> it's, uh, Duke is the most popular and polarizing program in the, in college basketball uh, but Duke versus Kansas because also Kansas is at full strength it's the high it's, it's, it's actually will be seated higher when that game if it were to be Duke versus Kansas, I actually think Duke would be a one-point favorite in that game, so Duke would be the lower-seeded team, but it would actually be favored to win in that spot. Uh, but that is, yeah, if it were to be Duke, Kansas, and hey, that'd be that'd be just fine by me. If that were to happen, it would mark uh, ten years from the same location: Kansas, Kentucky, New Orleans, 2012, uh, in the title game, and obviously Anthony, that's Calipari's only national championship there. So we'll we'll see if Bill Self can get his second. Or if it will be K get number six if those two teams wind up playing. Uh,
1: Matt, I've been to a Super Bowl in New Orleans, Super Bowl 31. I think it's a perfect spot, and the Super Bowl should be every there every, every year, in my opinion. What's it like for a Final Four?
3: Oh, it's absolutely wonderful, man. And because you've got four schools with huge fan bases, proud fan bases, every fan base, even Carolina has an eighth seed, every fan base will travel there thinking that they've got a, a fair enough shot to win the whole thing. Um. Yeah, it's just wonderful, man. Amazing, amazing food. Already got a couple mm-hmm. of dinner reservations nice. booked. Very excited about. Oh yeah, got to be on that. You got to be on that already. So very excited <laughs> about all that, and it's a, uh, it's a wonderful city. And I got to be honest, talking to you here from Connecticut, where uh, I woke up and it was twenty nine degrees. <laughs> I am I'm quite eager to get down to, the bayou and uh, and down to New Orleans and enjoy some warmer weather for a few days.
1: Thanks for uh, doing this for us, Matt. Norton. appreciate it.
3: Take it easy,
1: guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Norlander, cbssports.com, as we catch up with uh, Matt Norlander. Who are the other Blue Bloods? I mean, is Villanova Blue Blood for you? Close. Close. They're not Kentucky. They're not. They're not Indiana. This is more
0: of a Jay Wright thing. I know they won it with Raleigh, but that was such a fluke. Yeah. They shot 80% from the
1: floor in the second half. Who are we missing? UCLA still?
0: UCLA, yes. Indiana, yes.
1: Kentucky, yes. Yes. After Uh, that? It, and then obviously Kansas,
0: U, UNC, and Duke. Look at all-time wins. Guess who's number five on the list? I, I
1: would give you number five on the list of yes. all-time all-time wins. wins
0: in college basketball.
1: Power conference, power. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, uh, New York-based. Yes. Start with an S. Yes. Well, there's only two of them. St. John's or Syracuse. Uh huh.
0: I don't know which one. Uh, well, I, I was wrong. It was St. John's is actually number nine on the list. Okay. Temple is number five. Temple? Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't have got that. No, I wouldn't have either. Not in a million Kentucky, years. Kentucky, Kansas, and with a win, I believe Kansas will surpass. I think
1: they did this week. They, they, is that what it was? Uh-huh. Get they the did the this four. weekend. Yep.
0: Carolina three, Duke four, Temple five. Jeez. Wild. Syracuse, UCLA, Notre Dame. One thing, Notre Dame. Uh-huh. St. John's, Indiana. That is your top 10 of all-time wins.
1: Well, I, uh, I don't know how you did yesterday in the Circa. We went one zero oh, and one We got a push one, in the women's
0: oh, game. one okay. That overtime four-point, that's exactly what we needed from UConn. I was mm-hmm. hoping for overtime because, well, I was laying the four and got an easy win with the Knicks as they won against
1: the Bulls straight up. I got hockey for you coming up. Oh, I can't wait. Miller and Condon circus play of the day. Uh, that's coming up next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3... <laughs>
3: build your business. At Sinorama of Ribbendale, we offer customized solutions for signs, branding, marketing, and advertising. We have a full range of custom sign and graphic services to meet your needs, build your brand, and create your image. Look around and you'll see how Andy Woodley and his staff help businesses enhance visibility and get noticed. Let us work with you to understand your unique marketing goals and help you reach them. Sinorama of Ribbendale, the way to grow your business. Online at sinorama.com slash imen.com For all of your
0: and your family's eye care needs. Make it Elite Eye Care. Dr. Ethan Heisman, Dr. Macy Dealman, Dr. Heidi Bell, and Dr. Kelsey Sawatsky provide expert eye care close to home. From eye exams to contact lenses, eyeglasses to sunglasses, make Elite Eye Care your local optometrist. In introducing Vision Therapy. Vision Therapy is a doctor-supervised, non-surgical, and customized program designed to correct vision problems. Set up your next eye care appointment with Elite Eye Care, University Avenue on the Waukee-West Des Moines border, or the Eye Company. In and online at iDoctor. Madness?
3: Madness? Yeah.
0: Madness?
1: Madness is betting on this year's tournament action with anything other
0: than the Circus Sports Iowa
1: app. The lowest holds, highest limits, and
3: best odds means higher payouts for your winning bets. Why bet with anyone
2: else? Download your new bookie today. Visit circusports.com. Sports betting the way it should be. Must be 21 or older. If you or someone you know needs gambling, trip, you call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
0: Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. KXNO listeners, you may remember this. I also want to mention Trent Condon. Listen to how
1: excited Trent is to get a vasectomy.
0: I was excited, Keith, and I'm still excited today. Why? No more this around my house. That peace and quiet can be a part of your home as well. Call the Urology Center of Iowa today and schedule your appointment. 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com.
1: Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day. Presented by Circus Sports Iowa. All right, final couple of minutes here on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. No little NFL news that's breaking NFL owners have approved the modified overtime rule for the postseason Mm -hmm. only. Both teams are now guaranteed a
0: possession. That is where the overtime rule that is currently, that's how it started also, though. Remember, that was a playoff rule for a year. And then they went back. And then they implemented it. So people that are getting all sacrimonious and freaking out, why don't you have this in the regular season? It's the exact same way it went Mm -hmm. before. And ultimately... We're probably going to get there for reg- for regulation during regular season two. I think, we will. Too. I think That's so. That's the way it's going to play out, and it normally plays out. Mm-hmm.
1: And look, at it. I mean, it's d- rules different from the postseason to the regular season. I get the blowback on that, but look, Buffalo didn't get a chance, mm-hmm. right? How good would that potentially have been? Uh, anyway, so I got a little baseball nugget oh, before here for your play you. of the before day. Before play okay. of the day, what is it?
0: Because I thought this was so good, and I thought you'd get a kick out of it. So as always, I'm reading through. Everything that I can get, twins leading into the <laughs> yep, season. Yep. Reading a little something about Carlos Correa. And he and Byron Buxton will be the fourth ever number one and number two picks to be on the same team. So this is not a trivia question. Good, this because I was, I was going to say this I'll never get impossible. a million years. But thinking of these combinations, and these guys were number one and number two picks. Most recently, it happened with the 2017 Orioles. Tim Beckman. And Pedro Alvarez; those were the number one and two wow. picks in two thousand. It's been a bad draft. Go back to the nineteen eighty-five draft: B.J. Surhoff and Will Clark. Okay, Not bad. Yeah, they played together with the Orioles again in ninety-nine and two thousand. And then the Tampa Bay Rays also had a one-two punch of Paul Wilson and Ben Grieve. Wow, huge disappointments. Both those boy, guys. Oh boy, oh boy. I was invested in them. Nineteen ninety-four. draft. Were you? Oh, I had their rookie cards. I thought I was going to be hitting it big. <laughs> Uh, that did not happen there.
1: No, it was not with those two dudes, that's for sure. Let's well, maybe you can pairing, make some
0: money tonight. Hopefully this pairing goes a little bit better for my Twinkies with Buxton and Correa. You well, think I think so. it will. Yeah, it's also Byron Buxton. Yeah, I know, and he's made of glass. And he, I thought he got hurt over the weekend, too.
1: I saw him when he hit the wall. Yes. Yes, I thought the same thing.
0: All right, I got picks for you. Mm-hmm. And this, again, shows you, we talk about circus sports, lowest holds, best odds, things like that. That you're going to find, and it's not across the board, but for the majority of the time that's going to happen, looking at Masters odds, those kind of things, it's very impactful there when you look at their future. So, I put together this hockey, par- hockey parlay for tonight. Oh, hockey parlay, okay. Just money line. Okay. No puck line, no minus 105, nothing like that. Yeah. I got the Panthers at home for Montreal. They will win for fun. Minus
1: 375. Yep. Well, that's not a great price. Florida might be the best team in the league. Montreal is the worst team in the league. The Wild are at home for the Flyers. Yeah, and Flyers aren't good. They're not. Nope.
0: Put them together. Yep. Minus 140. Just money line. So it's creeping up. So I was looking at some of the other shops. It's about minus 165, minus 170. Huge difference. Those are the things that add up, and that's why we tell you, Circa, and they'll tell you, shop around. But when you look at things like this, Mm -hmm. the best price you can find a lot of times is going to be with Circa. So we got that. We're also playing both NIT games tonight because we have to. We are going to lay the points in game one. Give me St. Bonaventure minus the one and a half against the fighting Jack Nungees of Xavier. Game two, we will grab the points. Give me Washington State plus the two. So, really, three picks, four games tonight altogether. And we'll try to continue a hot
1: week. We're undefeated on the week. Well, look, well, this is the. After all, it's hey, hey!
0: Stop putting the caveats in my yeah, all picks right. of I'm just all right. trying
1: to figure it out. Uh, anyways, we are out of time. Murph and Andy will be in here in uh, well, in an hour and five minutes. Then the fanatics at three. I'm assuming Randy Peterson. I saw Travis Petey right as we were starting. Oh, did was you in the building? Yes. Wish I'd have seen Petey. Uh, so they'll be on the air tonight at six with uh, Cyclone Insider. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate you being with us. Trent and I are here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNL.